Well, hello, Chris Evans here with this week's edition of the Best of the Breakfast Show podcast with Sky from Virgin Radio. Coming up, the always hilarious, intriguing, interesting and interested Josh Widdicombe chatting his brand new book, Watching Neighbours Twice a Day, How 90s TV Almost Prepared Me for Life. The smartest man in most rooms, Richard Osman, discusses his incredible new novel, The Man Who Died Twice, the brilliant, funny Mark Watson is here to tell us what to expect from his massive 73-day tour. This can't be it. Plus, another comedian and friend of Mark and husband to our very own Rachel, Alex Horn shares all about his brand new book, Bring Me the Head of the Taskmaster, 101 Next Level Tasks and Clues to Lead You to Victory. All of that and so much more to come. Vast Alexander, over to you. He's a star of stand-up, a prince of podcasting, a titan of telly, and now an acclaimed author. His new book, Watching Neighbours Twice a Day, How 90s TV Almost Prepared Me for Life, is out tomorrow. <laughs> so please welcome a man who has Scott and Charlene to thank for everything, apparently. It's the wonderful Josh Whittacombe. Morning, Hello. Josh. How are you? Very well, how are you? Great. What a song. Lovely to hear it. Isn't it? It's good, isn't it? Uh, So this book, it is a love letter to the telly of the 90s. First of all, before we talk about what's in it and your take on uh, telly, tell us about where you watch telly, where the telly was for you. Uh, I used to watch telly as a kid a lot on the floor, more than on the sofa. Just give us a sense of, of where you were watching and how yeah. you were watching before we talk about what you were watching. Okay, so I was I grew up in Devon on Dartmoor, and so I lived in a kind of house in the middle of nowhere. And uh, half my house was my gran's house, and I'd watch some of it in that with my gran, and uh, half of it I'd watch on my own, kind of on the sofa. That um, yeah, I'd just sit on the sofa, or I'd sit on the floor, and it was like you know, the, the TV. You can't go too close to the TV in those days because it's like dangerous for some reason that you don't know. <laughs> Which why. it wasn't at all, was it? <laughs> well, I don't know. You'll any... ruin your eyesight. Yeah, exactly. No, no, my genes will ruin my eyesight <laughs> yeah, mostly. Yeah, exactly. Or the sun, perhaps, but not the not like Channel Four. That's not going to ruin. my No, eyesight. that wasn't the reason I'm wearing glasses now. <laughs> so I'd sit there and I would just watch TV. Unlike now, when I watch TV and I'd have my phone out, or I'd watch TV and I'd be pottering. You're actually watching the television. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You were consciously everything that was on it. That was all you were doing. Did you love the telly? I adored it. I didn't realise how much I adored it. I was like, I grew up on Dartmoor, so people were into Outward Bound stuff. I had no interest in that kind of stuff. It well, was... just going out, you were Outward Bounding. Going for a loaf would involve a <laughs> right. compass and a, a flare, <laughs> I would imagine. Yeah, of course. We had, we had a, a post office <laughs> that's since closed down, and that was all we had in our village. But it is like a window into another world, depending on what programme you're watching. And I suppose the more isolated you are, not that you were completely isolated, no. but Dartmoor, you know, it's not the densest, most densely populated no. place on the planet, is it? Um, you know, and I know what you said, because from what I've read, I haven't read all your books. I usually do read all the books, but I had this awards thing to do yesterday, no which pressure. is very, very no important. Pressure. The uh, NHS slash Who Cares Wins Awards, which is amazing. Um, but Rachel's read your book cover to cover. I can't wait to, to oh, read it in full. But, you know, um, it's, it's, it's escapism and also a desperation to therefore then go and actually escape and find out, go and seek out Nirvana. Um, yeah. Because so, some programmes you could sort of pr- probably um, get to one day in the future, and others were completely fictional. So, so you know, in a league table of the genre of telly that you enjoyed, mm. how, where would you, how would you categorise that, the, those dif- different programmes? Well, I, I kind of, so obviously you'd go through these phases. So when I was like, first started, for the, when I was eight, nine, ten, eleven, whatever, 
all we wanted to do was live on Ramsey Street. Do you know what I mean? And all we do... And it's that, you know, the cliche of you had to have watched Top of the Pops in the, in the 80s or the 70s to be able to talk about it. You had to have watched Neighbours. You had to have watched it to talk to people the next day at school. We lived our lives as much on, the, on Ramsey Street as we did in real life. Yeah. And, like, re-watching these shows to write this book... Uh, almost, it sounds mad, but it's almost a more vivid memories than your actual childhood. Uh, watching these, watching Gladiators, like hits me like a kind of nostalgic. <laughs> Gladiators is a yeah. good show, wasn't it? Now Ramsey Street's interesting, and by the way, everybody chip in. This is a, 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 a free for all. See, because Neighbours, you know, I was sort of too old for Neighbours, even yeah, though it's yeah. a massive phenomenon. But because I was hosting the Big Breakfast, which I know you talk about in the book, yeah. and, and very, very, very fondly, so thank you so much for that. But we had a lot of guests on from Neighbours, which I didn't really get, but all the kids who watched the show loved, you know, the people that we had on. So that was a funny old thing as far as I was concerned. Mm. And so other references in your book, you know, because I think... You have a very wise and witty and pithy head on young shoulders, or younger than my shoulders anyway. But I do think you're quite old for your time, and I think mm. I was quite old for my time as well. Yeah. I don't know. Do you know what I Do you know what I mean about that? Do, do you get the I sense to- of that of I yourself? Totally, and I think it's because my parents, I grew up, I had my parents were hippies and they said so there was very few little rules. And so I was watching everything from very early on. So I was watching like bottom at the age of nine and ten because i thought you weren't even born when some of these programs were on but you were just about yeah i was just but they would just be on the tv i remember watching have i got news for you when i i didn't know i didn't even understand what was going on i mean it's still a good show but it was a great show yeah and it and i'd watch all these shows and it would feel just just so exciting and so vivid and so different from my life obviously um without you know tfi friday was probably the most I say in the book, like, TFI Friday Bar was felt to me like the most exciting place on the it earth. It was better than the Star Wars bar. <laughs> it was better than that. <laughs> well, thanks for writing the book. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's been a genuine pleasure uh, to talk to you about it. Uh, we haven't talked at all about your stand-up tickets. Uh, oh, thing. don't worry about that. Uh, com. Just go there and find out what he's up to other than what he's just been up to for the last hour. Josh, oh, thank you so a much. joy to see you. This book, Josh Whittacom, Watching Neighbours Twice a Day, How 90s TV Almost prepared me for like what did it miss out there <laughs> <laughs> were certain things that you know alright have a great you. day Josh thank you guys pleasure Ta-da! Josh Winnicott everyone Woo! the best of the Chris Evans breakfast show with Sky Virgin Radio our next guest is utterly pointless and very House of Games. And you can always find him sitting on top of your local bestseller list. The riotous Thursday Murder Club crew returned yesterday and the man who died twice. And of course, Kent's answer to the Fab Four are already number one, like Fulham. So please welcome <laughs> the genius of Richard Osman. Oh, morning, Rich. Morning, everybody. How lovely to be here. I was oh. here last year. It was all a dream back then. Mate. We are so pleased for you. Oh, thank you. We are so... I mean, you, you know, you, you weren't struggling to put bread on the table. It has to be said beforehand. But I'm just so pleased for you that you're so successful in something you always wanted to do. Mm. Um, 40-odd weeks at number one. I mean, Vasa said there in the local... You'll find him at, atop your local bestseller list, which is true, but also the international bestseller list. And you've just knocked yourself off the top. Tell us about how that feels. Yeah, I mean, listen, it's, it's, it's crazy. I've always tried to do things I love, and that's what you must do in your career, isn't it? And, and usually that's when you have the most success. But yeah, I remember coming in last year, and I remember being number one for the first week, and I was... I, I, 
thought remember this moment because sometimes you have success in life and, it, and it's very fleeting so I was really thinking remember this week uh, because it will pass uh, and <laughs> it's a year later and it's still number one well now it's number two because of the man who died twice so it's uh, yeah I haven't quite been able to, to relax and think about it yet I mean what you had you know it was you versus all comers and none of them the rest of the world's fictional authors um, or authors of fiction they're not, maybe they are yeah, fictional, fictional authors yeah. Yeah. maybe that's why they can't knock you off the top a lot but, of them are Lee but, Child doesn't exist yeah authors of fiction um, together couldn't knock you off the top and so you said don't worry don't worry I got this I'll knock myself off the top so are you now number one and number two uh, yes currently that yeah. would work that would be how it works which is it? yes it's a little bit Ed sheeran isn't it well it, the first band ever to have three number one with their first three singles was Jerry and the Pacemakers correct the second band Oh, Spice Girls? Um, Westlife, maybe. Uh, it was actually Take That. <gasps> was it? And then it was Westlife. Then it was. I think the Spice Girls were the first band in the world to have five number ones with their first five singles. It's not bad going, is it? Yeah, good I'll problem. See if, I'll see if you. I can be the Spice Girls in a few years' time. You know, you, you are. You could be. You could have been. You could be perceived as an upstart in the literary world. Mm. But I think people have had to fall on their critical swords now, haven't they? Well, you know, that's the nice thing. I've always been a reader, and so I think that people. You know, it's lovely when writers read the book and and, and enjoy it. And it's not, fair enough. Yeah, and it's nice that around the world people are reading it because they don't know who I am from telly, so they're just reading the book. They're just enjoying the characters and and and, and the story. So you know, I think you know if if you're if you're doing well in Japan, then that, that's not because of pointless celebrities. So I think I think I finally feel like a real author. We we, we recently had trouble in um, in Croatia. They pirated a lot of copies of the book. Somehow they found a copy of uh, of the man who died twice. I don't know where they got it from. Some idiot had left it on a beach, and yeah, they pirated copies of it. Can you believe it's me an spoilers all over Croatian fortune. Twitter? Yeah, I'll just to explain the context behind that ruse. Oh, well, Vassos, I believe you left your... Um, I believe you had an early copy. Which, I had a review by the way, copy. It's a privilege, not a right. Mm. Okay, and it can be taken away. Uh, and like, a, well, he like, took it. He took it away. He took it to Croatia. Yeah, he really did. Like one of those errant MI6 officials who leave documents on a train. Yes, that's left exactly it on a what lounger. I did. I did. To be fair, Richard, go back to the beach, which was at least I don't a four-minute walk. I, don't, I think it's going to say I went back to Croatia. I literally I flew I back to Croatia. I don't believe this story. Did you no. really leave it on the beach? Yep. Why? Wow. I left this on a beach because... But it was a proof copy. It's really, like, oh, important. I, you, I went been, back to the beach. Had you been drinking, Vassos? Uh, yes. Yeah, and... um and there was, I went to the, and I went to the guy and I said, like, I left my book on the beach. He goes, oh, no, no problem. It'll be there. And then just next to the bar, they had a, like, a, they had a, a, a blanket out with all the lost property. There was sunglasses. There was a lot of, um, there was a lot of um, sun cream and there were loads of books, none of which were yours. Well, someone's, so someone's, someone's, had, way, someone's had a touch When then. you said you left, I left my book on the beach, you didn't leave your book on the beach. You left the property of penguin books on the yeah. beach. It's, it's indicative of, a, of, of the man. Isn't it? So, uh, because you're good on the radio and in front of the camera as well as behind and now, um, you know, um, sitting in uh, in front of your keyboard, Mm. when you do the PR stuff, the promo around the world, they must think, he's really good at this, because they probably don't know about your other lives. They probably think you're you're this, uh, I don't know, you've worked somewhere else, you've had this sort of moonlight um, uh, fantasy uh, idea of becoming a novelist, and you've achieved it in a... a, who like in um, uh, Colonel Sanders way? Because <laughs> no, yes. he I love you were reaching for a reference. <laughs> well, no, because it's people you came up with. You know, because Colonel Sanders did. You know, he didn't. He didn't. Um, uh, he didn't achieve um, commercial success until I think he was in 
Mm. It's eighties. Because so he had a, he had a little chicken shop, didn't he? And then there was a compulsory purchase of the chicken shop um, by whomever it was because they, they put a road through his chicken shop. Uh, but he made the best deep fried. So he started to license his recipe to it, and that's how he became rich. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Same story. Very similar story. Uh, uh, no, you do. You have, I'm, I'm I'm forever doing you know American interviews. Forty one years old. Oh my god, I know, right? Yeah. I mean, they're even better than Colonel Sanders in some ways. Yeah, I think I think sometimes you'll start doing interviews with with Australians or something, and they'll think, oh god, who's this? Another author, and then you you start mucking about with them and doing jokes, and you know, because I love being on the radio and on the telly, and they you can hear them audibly relax. Yeah. They just go, oh my god, at least for the last next ten minutes, this is going to be easy. I'm not going to have to be asking questions of some taciturn author. So, but I love so. I love writing the books. I'm very proud of them. But I, I think, unusually for some authors, I love the selling of them as well. I love coming around. I love chatting to people. I love going to bookshops. I love going to independent bookshops, talking to people with me. And that's suddenly you write a book, and it's so you're just by yourself the whole time in front of a screen. Mm. And the second it comes out, you're part of a big team at the publishers and the booksellers. And that's when yeah, I love. I absolutely love all that. And at some point, I've got to go back and write the next one all by myself again. So I'm just going to enjoy this while I can. And how's your new pal, Steven Spielberg? Uh, he's all right. Yes, well, Steve, big Steve. Yeah, where, where, when was the last time you, the most recent exchange with the Spielberg massive? Oh, listen, I mean, he was around last night because we were watching some old episodes of Endeavour. Uh, he loves it. No, he's very well. They're, 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 they're supposedly filming. They're supposedly filming the movie in spring next year. Right. Uh, but you, listen, you know the movie industry is. Li- I mean, who knows? I it's mean, a it, movieable it feast is what it's it is. It's a movieable feast. <laughs> exactly right. So, I mean, I, I, with that, I just leave them to it because there's no point me thinking about it because you never know right now you talked about um vasos um letting the the pirate um cat out of the yeah. croatian bag can i talk to you about um marlo and about the marlo murder club mm-hmm. have you seen that uh i was yes i'm i'm I've, I'm, I'm aware there how a are you with that? that first of all you explain what it is because i know what it is because i see it every day well it's there's yes there, there are a number of other books now which which have very similar front covers uh to the thursday murder club which i get that's uh listen imitation is lovely and that that, that one's got a similar front cover and it's called something very very similar it's as well the murder club is what it's called. yeah and listen it's written by someone who's written lots of stuff before so i i i, I, I suspect he's he's there's there's, there's nothing uh, amiss there all right so thursday murder club versus the man who died twice mm. you know in the heavyweight title uh, uh for the for the the World Heavyweight title yeah. for your first two books, one against the other. Which book's going to win? Well, people seem to like the second one even more, which is great. I mean, it might be because they know the characters. You know, if you do a TV show, people like the second series more. They say, oh, you've really hit your stride. And actually, they, they're just more familiar with it. Um, so people seem to prefer it. It's got a great ending, the second one. I'll say that. And obviously, you know, that we, we know the characters more. So the Thursday Murder Club will always be my first child but um yeah i mean i would i would hope it's a slightly better book because you know i hadn't ever written a book before and and this time i had right we'll do a quick pick and then you got to go 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 uh, thanks richard pleasure thank well you well done pal come see you know where we are the best of the chris evans breakfast show with sky virgin radio our next guest is an award-winning comedian who once opened a life expectancy test app and turned it into a whole new show his brilliant this can't be it tour continues tonight in Maidenhead and we're very
very grateful that this morning he won his battle against his alarm clock. Please welcome the always <laughs> hilarious Mark Watson. Morning, Mark. I thought there was a very, very subtle bit of snark in that introduction because yeah. it is true. I was meant to be on earlier in the week and uh, completely failed to wake up. And it's, I'm embarrassed to say it's just dawned on me the vaccines are actually here then. That was live. Yeah. I see, because I was in the corridor and I thought they've got that up much too loud, but it's, uh, it's all starting to fall <laughs> into place now. Yeah, well, you can't really tell the vaccines they've got the vaccines up too loud. You I can tell me that. that. I just didn't understand it was the actual people, so I yeah. Because they said Mark's down the corridor. I thought you were watching the vaccines, so I've been to watch the vaccines and I was looking for you and you weren't there. No, I, I thought, would have done that. I, I, I had no idea. I forgot you can actually have people in, in real-life uh, building situations these days. Fair I know. You've, you've, yeah. you've more than forgot that. On Was it Tuesday you were due in? Yes, I was working extremely late on a um, script thing with an uh, exacting deadline and uh, went about about two in the morning thinking it's fine because I'm not the sort of person that sleeps through an alarm but it turns out I am so uh, you're still learning well, about yourself it's, it's great way. to have you here oh, right. it's great to be here at the second attempt this can't be a tour it's nice to see you last night by the way yeah so uh, obviously <laughs> I, um, my uh, my company promotes these Marlowe comedy uh, gigs uh, for those people who don't know which uh, the same place as Pub in the Park and uh, well long story short the organiser was there and he thought it'd be a good idea for me to go on stage and bring Ronan Keating on um, and I'm not sure if Ronan Keating himself did think it was a good idea but uh, we'll never know. I was given quite a limited brief uh, as you know Chris the guy said uh, whatever you do don't do anything silly just say the words Ronan Keating and I think I executed that pretty well which is the opposite brief he seems to give to himself because once he gets the microphone you can't shut him up and nobody actually knows who he is uh, Chris this is another Chris he's a fairly verbose chap yes but um, it's quite rare that I'm hired uh, for no money to do a two-word introduction, but I got both Ronan and Keating out, and to my immense yeah. relief, Keating did walk on the stage. And it, but it was a lovely night, wasn't it? We it was, had a, it, it was, was more than night. lovely, actually. It was, and it was really enjoyed doing the comedy shows there uh, over the um, over the summer. But also, I must say, nice to be in actual theatres again. Yes, yeah, great. So this can't be it. It's a tour called This Can't Be It. Now, we talked about Bob Geldof's autobiography last night, didn't we? Yes. Because he said, is that it? Um, and I said, is, there, is, there, is, is this the follow-up to that? You told me that Geldof was 70, is that right? Yeah, um, he's, he's 70 soon, I think in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, well, it's sort of, I mean, I should say the tour doesn't have much about Bob Geldof in it for a <laughs> number of legal reasons. But uh, yes, it perhaps comes from a slightly similar place. Um, as we heard, I opened this, uh, was during the pandemic, I um, was sort of toying with this life expectancy calculator app because I couldn't sleep. And I saw got, uh, I mean... You I couldn't sleep because you didn't have a radio interview to go to. That's right. That's right. I'll never <laughs> sleep again now because of what happened on Tuesday. And uh, it was a stupid thing you sort of do at three in the morning. Um, especially because I sort of suddenly visited by the fear of death. Like you sometimes are in the middle of the night. And the best way to deal with it is just look at, you know, look at football scores or have a whisk or something. But for whatever reason, I decided to... I just Googled, when will I die? And this app come... I don't recommend listeners do this, by the way, because it puts the fear of God into you. But I got this app and uh, it gave me 78. So I'm... Sort of just over halfway through. And what kind of that. what kind of com- components does it ask for? Well, firstly, I will say I did not answer the lifestyle questions truthfully, so uh, the seventy-eight might have been. Late. Were you playing with it? Well, you can guess what the question, how you're meant to answer them. So you give yourself an extra few years where you can. But it's stuff like how much you exercise, drink. I was sort of a bit liberal there with the truth. Um, how many fruit and veg you eat? All these questions, and then it. I mean, it's not. It can't be very scientific. So but, hang um, on. So seventy-eight is airing on the the side of. Um, uh, hyperbole for you. If anything, I'd be, I'd be delighted to get to Geldof level, yeah. Really? <laughs> well, of course, you, things change, don't they? And you maybe look after yourself better as you get older. Um, but you run a lot. You're a big runner. Yeah, so they're not as, not as much as you, I think. We found this out. But um, I do. The, the, my one thing I do well in is uh, enormous amounts of running. There's yeah. nothing of you either, so you don't overeat. There's not loads of me, no. But sometimes you can be quite unhealthy internally, can't you? And because you're skinny, uh, you masquerade as being good nick. But actually, the, the more I sit here... Uh, the more I'm starting to feel optimistic. You're making, you're doing a good job here. <laughs> I, I prefer you to an actual doctor, definitely. Is that good for your comedy or bad for your comedy? Me, me, me making you feel less pessimistic or, or more sanguine? 
Interesting one. I mean, I think uh, you certainly wouldn't want a comedian to go on stage and say, well, everything is absolutely great. I've got no complaints and uh, go home. <laughs> but that sounds like an intro that you might come up with, actually. Well, yeah, I mean, it's funny, isn't it? I think that I probably have got quite a lot of uh, of my entire comedy career out of pessimism and grumbling. But on the other hand, if you're too miserable, you struggle to do anything. So you want, you want me, for me to be funny, you want me at that sort of midpoint of... Uh, things are all right so I can drag myself to the theatre but things aren't too good so <laughs> right so Mark Watson's uh, well Mark Watson the comedian.com is where you need to go for tickets for this 73 date tour now it's already ongoing so tonight Mark is playing in Maidenhead okay how does it how does it start how do you how do you how do you sort of lull your your audience into engaging with what you have to say for the next hour or two it was a good question and of all comedians after I've gone to quite a lot of lengths to do that in the past I've had quite a lot of weird beginnings to shows there was one where I used to be typing stuff up on the screen as people came in uh, so I was I, I like always I like already that. being in there as people come in. So I, I just took observations about people. Um, it was, it's a way of sort of breaking the ice, I suppose. Quite often I sit in amongst the audience. You can't do that if you get to a certain level of fame, but I've managed to dodge that. So frequently I'm in the auditorium listening to people. I'll pop up anywhere. Um, one time I had a box on like a sort of large crate on stage and I was just lying in there for the first 20 minutes as people came in and I'd pop out and you'd hear people going, we can't be in there, that'd be stupid. And it was. Um, but that's the thing. Over the years, I've... Was that your David Blaine period? Yeah, but I didn't get as much credit for it as Blaine. And to be fair, I was much more uncomfortable than Blaine. It was really hot in there. <laughs> it was It's just one of these... I quite often have a stupid... Oh, once I was on a tre- just running on a treadmill as people came in, which was a sort of metaphor for the... Um, uh, general misery I was putting myself through at that phase of life and I did go on to say that what level no- did you have it on sorry what level did you have it on uh, it was quite fast but no gradient or anything no like gradient. that I don't like that sort of thing no I don't like when your legs start to well actually legs complain a lot don't they Ronnie it's almost your legs least favourite thing to do right. so yeah I've basically um, I've, I think it's because however good a comedian is there is that awkward bit where they just on you go, please welcome, and it feels well, odd. Well, there is, you know, there isn't, isn't like, there? Because if you watch Seinfeld, Seinfeld is so clinical, and people think maybe airing on the side of coal, but he's not because he just he just says, look, here, here's the jokes, folks, you know, and he does a straight hour. He never does more than an hour because he says yeah. the longer you stay up there, uh, the more chance the audience have got of winning, and eventually you stay up there long enough, and they will win. That's how he sees it. He sees it, everything as a world title fight. It's quite interesting that that's almost the opposite of my. I mean, he's much more successful than me, to be fair. So maybe he's right, but I, d- I don't Mildly. see it as a. I, d- I mean, I, I tend to, to be fair, you, no one can compare themselves to Seinfeld and come away looking good, but I tend to see it as almost the opposite, like a community effort rather than combat. Yeah. I, I don't see it as, well, I win or the audience win. I prefer to see us all being on the same team, basically. So I'll do anything to try and nourish that sort of community feeling, that sense that we're, if, if people are like troublesome, I'll still deal with it. But very rarely does that happen in a sort of, uh, in Maidenhead. In a, well, actually, I don't want to jinx it. There could easily be troublemakers G3. in Maidenhead. Watch out for G3, Don't pal. you worry, I'll have eyes on G3. They'll turn up in full sailing gear. See, because G3, they've got to go on their own because it's just G3. To have one ticket left, I think you should do that at every... You should say to all the venues, do not, do never sell G3. Things I can pitch this all the time. So I've been to Northern Fire Maidenhead quite a few times, and I, I there is a the stage is slightly elevated, so I'll I'll have eyes on G3. I'll be able to see way, exactly who they are. Just heard now, G3 has just been sold, and, I, I, and we're also just hearing. I'm increasingly obsessed with whoever is going to be in that of course seat. You are. I can't of get them course out of my head. you are. I'm going to be sitting in G3 myself when they turn up. By the way, it's your gig, not mine. But why don't you have a, and why don't you have a little raffle every show? Like, and today's uh, seat of the gig is, and all the seat numbers are in your tombola. And uh, I don't know. Interesting idea. And I could like I've got you know I've written a novel that I normally sell after the gig. I could just. I could give those away. More and more of the show could be a raffle or tumble than I've maybe previously considered. Yeah. This is why I need these these sessions. This is why life's a box of chocolates. It really is. Yeah. 
Mark Watson, thecomedian.com. Go and see him because you will have a lovely evening in the company of a very clever brain. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. Who are we talking to next, Basil? Our next guest is just basically smashing it. The new series of the BAFTA-winning Taskmaster starts next Thursday on Channel 4 and his latest book, Bring Me the Head of the Taskmaster, is out today. But his wife hasn't seen him awake all week and she left him a basket of laundry to sort out this morning. Please welcome the busiest of busy bees, Alex Horn. Morning, Al. Good morning. Good Good morning. morning. Are you live from Pinewood? I am live from Pinewood. I'm looking out my window at the James Bond stage and the sun is shining. It's a heat wave, Chris. It's a heat wave! (laughs) No, it really is. A lovely shooting sky. It'll cut down on the lighting cost, Alex. Um, Luckily, I kept all my summer clothes out and I'm basking in the sun. Okay, I'm just going to keep mentioning the book uh, because I'm not going to talk about it. I I refuse to talk about it because you're not here in person. Um, It's uh, Bring Me the Head of the Taskmaster, 101 (laughs) Next Level Task and Clues to Lead You to Victory. We might talk about it in a bit. First of all, more about Pinewood. So you are shooting Taskmaster at Pinewood. Now, I used to work at Pinewood and it is amazing when you because there's Goldfinger Drive there isn't there it's called it's called Goldfinger yes. Drive um, you, you there's, know, there's all sorts going on here yeah, yeah. and Goldfinger there's Drive is around one corner there's yes, James Bond in another I saw an actor this morning who I think I recognised but I don't know who it was but she was wearing sunglasses and looked glamorous yeah. it, you know it feels exciting it is because it is exciting and it, this is all true and as you enter Pinewood you know the Bond stage is to the far right and it's got it, it has the big 007 you know um, uh, yeah Walter PPK logo on the side of it. It is there. It's the one that was on the Formula One cars. That's the Formula One cars at the weekend. And it's the one we'll see uh, when No Time to Die finally is released in a couple of weeks' time in October. But it is so sexy. It's so... Do you, have you had a wander around? Have you been round the back of the Pinewood lot and seen that massive um, outdoor shooting stage that has the big blue screen behind it, which is where they do all the CGI for things like, I don't know, like Gladiator and things like that? Have you been round there? Yes, I've seen that. I've been taken on some tours, but not the James Bond tour. When Joe Brand did the show, she insisted on it, and she was uh, driven in a buggy through it. But that, I haven't got that clearance level yet. Yeah, well, hang but, on a minute. Uh, I, I wasn't taken on any tours. I just, I just went feral. You just went. Oh, I don't know. I don't have that. Co- Should I go? Yeah, definitely. I guess I could. A million percent. I mean, our, our production manager, Vicky, got married here. You can actually, I don't think, I'm not sure you can anymore, but all her guests invaded all the stages. So maybe, <laughs> maybe that's the key, just a drink and, and off I go. So the, the reason Goldfinger Drive is called Goldfinger Drive, because if you watch Goldfinger, um, when the Aston Martin goes on its side, or the, it, that's, that's the avenue it goes, because they, just, they just made the use of the set because it was cheaper. That's why it's called Goldfinger Drive, isn't it? Oh, did you know? I suppose so, but also the book's out right now, and you can get it in, in all the shops, <laughs> and, and you've got to be quick, otherwise someone else will solve it first. Solve what? <laughs> the, 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 the book, yes. Chris, there's a book out today. Right, go on. Yeah, yeah. Go on then. It's a treasure hunt. It's like, do you remember in 1979 a book called Masquerade, Chris? Yes, I do. Well, it's based loosely on that because I've found that. I've always been obsessed with that. So, But there hasn't been anything like it since. So uh, finally, 42 years later, the book is here. No, there are, there are worldwide treasure hunts via books that have been going on for ages. Um, and people yes. have made friendships. I believe people have met partners, you know, future partners. Because this, this is a thing. But it's like you're resurrecting it, if you like. Or at least reminding people or refreshing people or enlightening people to the fact that these kind of things exist in the first place. And it is a wonderful thing. Yes. However, I've got to take issue with you on something. If you can't find time to come on the show to in person, and I love you, and I had this amazing TV idea for you, which you probably don't need now because you're like this sort of stratospheric 
Oh, no, yes, please. Uh, multimedia star. But no, I've got an amazing idea for a quiz show for you. And maybe me. I don't know. But definitely for you. Um, but if you haven't got time to come in for that, and that is a, that is free TV gold from me to you right. for free and yes. see your wife who you've only felt the presence of but you you don't even know it was her it could have been someone else you felt the presence <laughs> of someone but you can't recognise mm. presence like you recognise someone by actually opening your eyes and saying oh no it is the person that I suspected I was feeling how the heck right. are you going to have time to lead the readers of this book through potentially a two year treasure hunt because you're dealing with future time Al and I've got to tell you future time you know future time <laughs> is a, it's a, she's, a, she's a scarlet mistress that never delivers Right. Well, first, I will make time to see you, Chris. And I, I deep regrets about not being in your presence. Yeah, well, you this morning. should have. <laughs> yes. Second, I've built in time for the book. So I release a clue every time Cheshire United win by two goals. And that only happens eight times a season. So I, 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 that's all fine. They're playing Chertsey at the weekend. They won't win that. It's away. Um, th- I haven't got a third. But you're right about time being a scarlet mistress. I've always thought that and always said that. No, not time isn't. Future time is. Oh, oh future time. What, what, what colour is time and what gender? Oh, I don't know. I mean, your wife, <laughs> no. your, wife, your wife... God, this runs in the family. She took me to Tash the other day because I, I said the sun was a he, purely because <laughs> of the song. The sun, the sun has got his hat on, hip, 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 hooray. Um... Not anymore, <laughs> seemingly. Yeah. I have no idea. I know. Uh, listen, we've got to go. We've got to go now. I know you've got to go. You're a big shot now. You're at Pinewood Studios. You don't ever see your family anymore. Well, we've got an audience back today, so we do have to... We've got rehearsals, and for the first time in two years, we have humans in with us watching us, and it's such a joyful thing to see them back. Well, it's already been a big hit without the audience, and also, um, we're used to the contestants being, you know, more than socially distanced apart. Are they going to get... Is it all... Is everybody getting closer now? Yeah, so next week, the Series 12 starts on the t- and that's our final show socially distanced one so they're still apart then and then next year they'll all be back sat well it feels like we're on top of each other now because it's been such a long time so i am t- within touching distance of greg and he uses that and uh, yes we, we filmed <laughs> champions of champions last night and he struck me twice all right bring me the head of taskmaster 101 next level tasks and clues to lead you to victory with alex horn they're live from pinewood and still allegedly married and living with Rachel Horn. Bye, darling. Bye, Rachel. Love you. Love you. Love you. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. We've heard from three tip-top guests already, but still to come, our favourite chef, Tom Kerridge, tells us everything we need to know about his marvellous creation, Pub in the Park. Journalist and writer Oliver Berkman reveals how to embrace our time limitations with his new book, 4,000 Weeks. The Charlatan's frontman, Tim Burgess, leaves through his brand new book, The Listening Party, inspired by his Twitter shenanigans during the first UK lockdown, and shining star Max Harwood discusses starring in the movie adaptation of the wonderful Everybody's Talking About Jamie, so let's get right back to the action. Versus, who's next? In a matter of weeks, our next guest will be a household name. I'm talking about the star of the movie that 
everybody's talking about. Everybody's talking about Jamie as a film for the ages and also for tomorrow night on Amazon <laughs> Prime Video. So please welcome the spectacular Jamie himself. It's Max Harwood. Morning, Max. Good morning. How are you? Uh, Max, I am fantastic. Rachel, how are you today? Oh, I am gleaming and glowing because um, I watched this movie yesterday. I know. Um, oh, you did? Did you like it? I absolutely <laughs> adored it. in the presence of greatness. And I can say that about you. You don't have to, but I can say that about you. I can't, I could not, I will never be able to take my eyes off you in this film. You are so captivating. <laughs> Who the heck are you? Where'd you come from? I am um, from Basingstoke in Hampshire. Um, I grew up um, doing lots of like theatre and then I wanted to go off and be an actor. So I trained really hard and I went to drama school. And I then in my second year of drama school here in London, I booked this job. And then the rest is really history. And I've been on this whirlwind of doing this film for the sort of the last two and a half years. So for people who don't speak show business, what does book this job mean? Oh, so I went through a very, very lengthy audition process through an open casting call. I basically submitted myself because I didn't have an agent at the time. And um, after seven rounds of being put in drag and singing all the songs and recording in Dan Gillespie Sales' home studio and proving that I could do everything they required me to do they offered me the job and what was that like for you so you know that that is tortuous but it's it's uh there's sort of um, rings of fire that you have to jump through you know you get through one you get through two it's 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 verging on cruel but it's just the way it is so let's just briefly explain jamie's story oh yeah so um jamie is a 16 year old kid from sheffield who has a dream of becoming a sensational global drag queen <laughs> um and it's all about you know how the community around him shifts to make a safe space for him to do that and to step into his most authentic place have you said that before because that was so concise and i might have, I might have said that, that, this week. that is a cool <laughs> it's, it's, that saves us so much time so well done for saying it a lot and saying it again on this show and it's a true story it is a true story based on there the, is a real jamie yeah jamie campbell life and times of jamie and there's campbell, real yeah. jamie's mum Real Jamie's mum, Margaret, yeah. And we get to see Real Jamie and Real Jamie's mum in the movie. They are. They do have little cameo roles and it was a joy to have them on set. And to, for me as an actor, like to meet and to have their support with this has just been an incredible gift. And also it's helped me really deepen my process and as an actor, you know, like with these biopicky things, often biopicky things. What even, what am I saying? I like it. I like biopicky things. <laughs> you don't often get to meet the person that you are playing. So for me, it was just, you know, incredible to get to do that. Were you nervous? Oh, yeah, for sure. But, like, I think Jamie was also quite nervous to meet me. We were both, like, have this, like, innately awkward energy, like, when we first meet people. Of course, of course. Okay, for me, right, I have been in similar situations in my career, right? And I try to be as well-behaved as possible, but, you know, sometimes I've just not been able to keep a lid on it. Um, (laughs) And (laughs) how was it for you, that? Because you look amazing all the way through the film. I thought, God, you must have been so, such his best behaviour throughout the whole of this because you look so well. You know, because you sparkle and because you have so much energy about you and your authenticity bursts through the screen. And that's the, <laughs> you cannot you. fake that. You cannot <laughs> fake that. And to have all that available to you, you have to have all yourself available to yourself in the first place yeah. in order to transmit. You can't transmit what you haven't got. Yeah. Right. How did you keep a lid on it? Well, I don't. I didn't have time to like do pranks. Like, but Lauren, I was speaking to Lauren Patel, who plays Pretty, the other day, and we, Lauren got asked in a junket one time, like, "Oh, who was the biggest prankster on set?" And Lauren was like, "You know, I didn't have any time to be like go and get a whoopee cushion and put it under Max. You know what I mean? We didn't. We just didn't have the time. And no after drinks, no no going out, or um, a few down downtime, uh, you know, downtime. Not really. Like I was, we went to Tramlines, which was a festival in Sheffield one weekend, and that was like I think Lewis Capaldi was playing, and it was like that was the probably the only like downtime I really like 
allowed myself to go out because I just had to be focused. I wanted to be on it. Well, I wanted to do a good you. job. Um, and also, I love the story and I was really wanted to tell it at the best of my ability and be healthy well, to do that. You are so right. And I used to be so wrong. So congratulations. <laughs> so it's all going... Could it Could it be going... I mean, touch wood with everything, always. Yes. Uh, could it be going any better than it is right now? Uh, no, truly, I'm so grateful. No bumps um, in the road, nothing at all? Like, like everything, there's bumps in the road and there's, you know, jobs that you don't get <clears throat> and there's, you know, things that happen and, you know, a pandemic, but, like, everything teaches you and makes you, like, shift your perspective and I'm so grateful for the things that don't go well because they teach me a lot about myself. Yeah. Well, well done you at and all who sailed with you it yes. is absolutely fantastic it's the it's my recommendation of the year above all the albums and and books and movies and tv shows we talk about and our commercial partners are sky and you can watch this uh, via your sky Q on amazon prime but even though our commercial partners are sky i am saying this amazon prime production this original is the is if you're going to take one thing from this show all year that we have recommended. This is my number one recommendation. Wow, thank you so much. Mate, you are more than welcome. You're so deserving of it. And you're so, you're so, you're such a brilliant ambassador oh. for, for the film and for your generation and for your industry. Thank you so, so much. That's well really, really kind of you. Well, you're really, really brilliant, is what you are. Max, good luck. Please come and... Don't forget where we are and please come and see us again. No, I'll come and see you for sure. Okay. Thank you so much. It's out tomorrow. You are awesome and you're more than welcome. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. Vassos, it's over to you. Our next guest never fails to make us hungry. With two Michelin stars jangling about in his pockets, this super chef is about to take festival grub to a whole new level. He'll put the yummy in your tummy as you live the life of Riley at Pub in the Park Marlow from tomorrow. So please welcome the delicious Tom Kerridge. Good morning, Tom. Good morning, lovely people. How are you? I'm very well. Now, the reason I interrupted the bunch of Bananaramas there is because Mira came in. We're going to play four or five Bananarama songs back to back because who wouldn't? What's wrong with that on the radio on Best Songs of the World every Wednesday? And she said to me, Tom's hanging on the phone, but he's fine. And I'm thinking, no, we can't have this because, and it's not Mira's fault. It's definitely my fault. Because, Tom, you spent half your life now waiting for me to do things because I remember, <laughs> <laughs> I remember at Carfair South, I saw you, in, you were. Going around the festival with your son and and, and Beth, your your lovely partner, and um, I said, Tom, could you could you help us out with this thing on stage in a bit in, in front of the uh, main stage on the hay bales with John Bishop? And you said, Yeah, Chris, anything you want, lovely, 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 lush, 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 anything you like. So then you come and you hang around, and I keep you waiting for like an hour. So I can only apologise, and I can't you keep keep you waiting for any longer doing anything, Tom. So I, I can only. Um, prof- Honestly, mate, it's an absolute. But I couldn't think of a nicer bloke to hang around doing stuff with. Well, pal, uh, thanks for all your input and all your help and. Congratulations with this year's pub in the parks and well done to the whole team, uh, yourselves, all your team, all the brand events team for getting this back up and going again. Pub in the park UK.com. It culminates, it finishes off. Can you believe it's the last one this weekend? I know. It's been it's honestly what an adventure this year's been. Obviously, last year has been shut down for everybody and everything, anything to do with festivals, food, drink, events, anything. And then this year, to be able to get the pub in the parks back, we've been one of the only events that have been able to get going and go properly. And, it, and it's gone so, so quickly. And it's been so magical. It's been so amazing that, you know, restaurants have been out and about. We, you know, at the beginning of the year, all of it was quite socially distanced and organised. And, and now there's still, and now it's almost back to, to complete normal. And last, last weekend in St Albans was incredible. The energy was fantastic. I and heard. then... 
this weekend, Marlow, the original one, the first one, the biggest one, actually, is going to be, it's going to be amazing. We're so looking forward to it. And you know what? The weather, it looks like it's just going to hold out and it's perfect for eating and drinking. So it's going to be an amazing, amazing weekend. Well, congratulations, uh, Tom, once again. And a lot of the time people go to festivals and they have an amazing time for so many different reasons. But if there is a, um, a sort of general bump in the road, it is usually, well, the, the catering could be better. We get it at Carfest. We have some amazing caterers but i completely get it especially you know now we're banging about whole food plant-based stuff and and better nutrition and better hydration but of course you lead with the food um so um so one doesn't have to worry about that at pub in the park once again is just remind people of the format of the pop-up kitchens and the chefs and how it works and how you can have a bit of everything for, for for not as much as you might first of all think yeah, so basically I invite all my mates that want to come and hang out in a park and they all sell a dish for around about six quid. And uh, you, you basically turn up, you can buy little bits and bobs off everybody, and eat loads of different food from all over. So, they, you know, I'm there with uh, Paul Ainsworth is there, um, Andrew Perns there, Steve Terry, Atoll Culture, Sat Baines, um, the, the Pony and Trap, Josh Eggleton. So loads of different Michelin star chefs are there cooking beautiful food um, in that kind of street food vibe. Yeah, it's so cool. You, you hang around, you eat loads of different dishes, you say hello, you go, there's a fire pit demo, there's chef demos, then there's music. So it's kind of intertwined. Everything kind of mixes together and it creates this really fun, wonderful vibe of food and music and it's super family friendly and it's got a great energy to it. And then, of course, this year... so. This year we've been doing something very, very special in, in each place, in each venue. We've been giving away something called a thousand thank yous. And that's to a thousand, we've been giving away a thousand tickets to NHS staff or frontline workers that have all been nominated by their local communities. So it's not even us that choose it. We tell the communities there's a thousand tickets, nominate who you want. So it could be anybody that gets, you know, has done something so amazing to keep us going throughout the last 18 months and then, this year, obviously, the, the last one is Thursday night. We're opening with Roman Keating and a thousand thank yous. Hopefully, you'll be there, Chris, and giving a big shout out to all of those amazing NHS frontline workers that got wait. us through. I cannot wait. I mean, Big Chris said on Tuesday, you know, uh, can you, are you, are you, you know, are you free on Thursday? I was coming anyway, to be honest, Tom. Don't tell him. And um, yeah. and he says, will you do the thing on stage with NHS? Of course, of course I will. Anything, I said anything you would like and I meant it. Now, we must say big up to everybody else who does this kind of thing for a living in Marlow because, of course, in and around Marlow, there's many great eateries, many great bars, many great suppliers, many great retailers, many amazing artisan um, pop-up shops and mum and pop shops and so that'll all be going on as well so in and around Marlifornia at the weekend if you can't get in just come and soak up the energy and the atmosphere anyway it's good anyhow isn't it Tom when we live but we're so lucky eh? we're so lucky it's the Henley Festival as well this weekend so the energy around you know the the sort of nine miles ten miles where we live it's going to be it's going to be amazing pal yeah it's going to be it should be a great weekend and we just keep our fingers crossed it doesn't rain and, and we'll all be all happy. Loads yeah. of food, loads of drink, loads of bands, loads of music. Everything will be great. Tom, you're awesome. I love you. Um, and I can't wait to see you tomorrow. 
The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. The charlatans still stand proud as indie band royalty and for good reason. Not only are they amazing live, as we found out at Carfest, but they still look annoyingly the same as they did in 1994. They look better. They look better. Inviting us via his new (laughs) book to the listening party to end all listening parties. It's the brilliant Tim Burgess. Morning, Tim. Thanks for coming in. How are you doing? very well. First of all, tell us about your outfit. That is awesome. Everybody's jealous of that <laughs> outfit. Uh, well, it's, it's my corduroy boiler suit. Where'd you get it from? Um, I can't remember, actually. No, I've, I've, I've had it for, uh, you know, over two years. It's cool and comfy. Cool and comfy, yeah. It's, um, you know, uh, and it surprises people when I pull up at a, a garage, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you've got a bit of that going on as well. Tim, um, what is the listening party? A couple of years old now? Approaching a couple of years old? Well, um, it kind of started, uh, really took off during lockdown, uh, right. first lockdown, May 23rd. Uh, but I've been doing it for 10 years, really. Just Originally just with Charlatans and, and my solo records right. multiple times. But then on 23rd of uh, March last year, I um, invited other people, Franz Ferdinand, Bonehead, um, Dave Roundtree from Blur, and Wendy Smith from Prefab Sprout to do a week of listening parties at ten o'clock every night. So what? So what happens for people who don't know? Yeah. and want to glimpse through the crack yes. in the door. You know, do do I want to open this door any further? Do I want to be part of the gang? What happens? Well, you, if you open the door further, um, the, the the following week there was three three a night instead of one a night, and then. Um, during the height of the lockdown, we, you know, we were doing up to ten a day. So you pick a song, pick an album, or what? Pick an album, uh, and we listen to it together. Uh, um, while someone fr- who made the album, uh, you know, a significant member of the band, or yeah. a photographer, or or both, yeah. you know, um, we had Simon Halfen and Paul Weller talking about uh, our favorite uh, our favorite shop, and um, and uh, as well as Sim- as well as uh, Simon White, the uh, drummer. And uh, and and they go through it as we all listen to it. So there's like detail of uh, of the album artwork or a song or how the song came about or what what Paul was thinking about during the making of it. And uh, and you know with the lockdown, uh, it was very concentrated. Just felt like we were all part of something, uh, listening together, while someone you know like who uh, you know Bonehead or, or Paul Weller tweet, yeah. or, or me tweeted through the uh, record it's like a guided meditation isn't it it is a guided meditation it's funny <laughs> you should say that tell me why is it funny come on well we me and you at Carfest <laughs> yeah. talked quite a lot about meditation yeah and, we did and, and yeah. it's the same thing isn't it because there is, there's a guy that's qualified to take you around something or somewhere uh, because of their knowledge about it but then there's a guy that is instru- was and remains instrumental in whatever it is you're being guided through yeah that's true and um, you know we've had Paul McCartney we've had Kylie um, uh, you know we've had Liam um, uh, there was a John Lennon 50 uh, Imagine 50 the other night so Yoko and Sean and Klaus Vorman uh, were all tweeting um, while we you know watched How how does that feel for you? Um, Well um, I mean I don't you know I I was it made me feel confident enough to tweet Paul McCartney and and say how how do you fancy doing a listening party for McCartney 3 and you know um, with lots of artists they kind of get back straight away and obviously Paul didn't you know um, it took a while but seeing the McCartney emoji thumb 
up uh, six weeks <laughs> Which later. Which is very McCartney-esque anyway. Yeah, yeah, it, it really was. And, and, it, and it was such a beautiful thing, you know, and it kind of felt, well, you know, everyone is so behind it. It's brilliant, isn't it? Absolutely brilliant. Um, and because you, because you love your music so much, I mean, you know, where in your house is, is the sort of inner sanctum uh, of your music listening environ? And is it vinyl? Is it... Can you describe... Can you... Can you give us the image? Yeah, I have a lot of records um, on a, a Visto uh, shelving, which is important to me. Um, uh, a good shelving. And um, <laughs> and, um, and this vinyl, uh, um, I mean, the listening parties have taken place um, in different rooms in the house, uh, but in hotels as well, and at Charleston Studios, uh, uh, you know, just friends' house, houses, and even... I've, done one on a bus uh, you know uh, uh, um, uh, on, on trains and things like that the Wi-Fi is not often uh, that good sometimes but um, you know um you, you know, I've done them everywhere, really. But it's a beautiful concept, isn't it? Because, you know, parties are great because it's the getting together of yeah. people, you know, and there's no... But there's a few few better things that one person can do than get, give other people a reason to get together, which is great, either virtually or physically or a bit of both. Yeah. But then a listening party. Let's have a party where, you know, the, the, the main buffet is songs. It's yes. Just, that's just a gorgeous... Food for the ears. And... and, and, and an album as well which yeah, is kind yeah. of you know I mean you know I'm up for tracks and up for streaming and things like that but it's, it's good feast. to do yeah but it's good to get the whole um, album and, and you know and why track 8 is track 8 and you know why there's an instrumental on it and, th- and things like that you know something that makes up a whole thing um, more than just a I guess a compilation track so, so it's awesome it is awesome start to finish and then there's the book uh, which is what we're talking about today amongst okay. other things the listening party <laughs> Tim Burge. how did you decide artists, bands and fans reflect on a hundred favourite albums how did you decide what to put in what a load of fun I mean was this was this uh, sort of um, decisions by committee because this is a potential bonfire waiting to happen isn't it well, I mean, you know, to have Paul McCartney in there was was a must. Yeah, of course. Entirely. Yeah, I get that. I get that. Uh, but for, what was was there a process for other, you know, to complete the hundred? Well, there was a cut-off point because um, I tried to get Iron Maiden in, and and when we ran out of time, um, they came. You know, uh, they were the six hundred and sixty-sixth listening party, and uh, you know, we'd obviously, you know, would um, there was a cut-off point before that. Um, it was important for me to have Julia Halter. Uh, it's one my favourite record. Um, over the last couple of years um, it was important for me to have uh, New Order in there The Cure Susie and things that I really love but then you know it was, it was fantastic for the book to have other people in there as, as, as well you know Tim, I love it you're awesome man you are too mate great to see you yeah great to see you too thanks Chris the best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky Virgin Radio what if you stopped trying to do everything so you could finally get round to doing what counts our next guest draws on modern and ancient philosophies as he mildly terrifies us with how little time we're here for his new book 4000 Weeks Time and How to Use It is out now so high time we made time for the very timely Oliver Berkman. Good morning, Oliver. Good morning. And welcome to Guru Tuesday. You are our time guru for today. How does that feel? 
little bit alarming. I'll yeah. do my best. Okay. Well, I've heard you before on, on other stuff, uh, longer than this is going to be, and you're amazing. This book is fantastic, Oliver. Thank you so much for writing. You wrote it for yourself, didn't you? Oh, totally. I'm really glad that you liked it, but it was absolutely an act of uh, self-therapy at, at the same time as well. Yeah, definitely. All right. So it is fun to compartmentalise time. It can be fun. It can be really frightening, but it can be ultimately very useful. How much fun did you have compartmentalising time? And tell us the different genres that you had fun playing with. Well, I mean, look, the title of this book, 4,000 Weeks, is just that's the amount of time that you get in weeks if you live to be sort of in your late 70s, uh, uh, 80 or so. Um, And I just think that expressing it in weeks, I mean, I hope it's not so alarming that people don't want to hear more from me, but it is alarming (laughs) in a way that like really sharpens the brings things into focus you know i don't know why expressing it in weeks has that effect but i basically had a panic attack when i first did the calculation so yeah um, well i went one further i then did mine in months i'm 391 months and counting <laughs> which is not long at all is it really and then if you, if you go on from that and you look at your 4,000 weeks and i've got 1,700 and something left if i'm lucky or 1,500 i can't remember and then you think well hang on a minute but lots of those are work weeks so they don't really so we'll cross those off and then you get <laughs> Um, some holidays and you think well three weeks a year for let's say um, another 25 years that's I've got 75 weeks holiday actual holiday left so you start thinking about that that more you know you comes into focus more and then Rachel was saying that her hubby Alex did an Edinburgh show called seven years in the bathroom because that's how long we spend in the bathroom Um, I suppose and the, the whole thrust of your book is in the end we plan we over plan for future time too much as opposed to just enjoying what little time we have in the moment yeah that's it I mean I'm actually not trying to suggest that people go through the rest of their lives in a sort of white knuckle, desperate attempt to seize every minute and go base jumping every weekend or whatever. You know, I think it is much more about seeing that we have this finite little portion of time and you can, that's enough to do a lot of amazing things, but it's not enough to do everything. And I think when we try to, to a lot of the advice that people get on how to manage time better, how to be more efficient, it's all based on this idea that we could somehow fit everything in if we only found the right techniques and were a bit more self-disciplined. So it's more about like giving up that impossible quest but in order to have the time and focus and attention to do a few things that you that you really care about right every sentence is riven with gold in this book let me tell you people listening the book once again is called four thousand weeks time and how to use it like for example uh here we go i've highlighted this on page 32 Um, The more you try to manage your time with the goal of achieving a feeling of total control and freedom from the inevitable constraints of being human, the more stressful, empty and frustrating life gets. It's all about this future because in the future we have all the time in the world, don't we? But it just doesn't end up panning out like that. Right. It's like in your mind, when you're planning your future life, you can include things that are not actually compatible. You can include being in a full time, incredibly attentive parent launching five businesses and spending all your life on meditation retreats up a mountain. But obviously, in reality, you're going to have to make choices between those things, even if they're all good, right? It's not just about getting rid of the boring stuff in life. I think it's about deciding that some things that would have been great to do, you're not going to get to do because you've decided something else is, is even more important. Real freedom, you say, sometimes is to be found not in achieving greater sovereignty over your own schedule, but in allowing yourself to be constrained by the rhythms of community. And, and you know, in order for that to happen, we have to be present. And one of the ways we can be present in the here and the now is by not worrying about the then and the not now. Yeah, I think that, you know, and this is, again, it's totally a problem that I've suffered from for years. I'm not just 
lecturing from any perfect position but this we totally get so fixated on like using our time well for future purposes for financial security for job prospects for raising good kids whatever it is that it, you, your focus is totally on the future so there's no focus left for where you actually are now but of course the future never arrives and when the future comes the new future is still in the future and <laughs> so there's this phenomenon where you're you're never quite there and then one day it all runs out, which seems like a depressing way to, to go about life. Really, yeah, but it's, it's, but it's also very realistic um, to, to look at it that way and also, therefore, ultimately the most useful way to look at it. And you talk about, you know, the workaholic or, or you know, in, the workaholic in a capitalist society who, who can't leave things alone, who has a cat. And what the problem here is that he can't love his cat because what he has to, because his cat is here and now, and why would he love that? Because he's got to invest in his future cat. So what he really wants to love, or claims to love, or is obsessed with loving instead, is his cat's kittens. Oh, but that's not enough because his <laughs> cat's kittens, what you know, they will become cats and they will be the, they will be the present. So he's got to love his cat's kittens, kittens, and his kit, cat's kittens, 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 and it never stops, does it? Right. And thank you to John Maynard Keynes for that specific example. I think what that is so, what that shows, and what he was using it to show is that like. You get a payoff for thinking in those terms. It sort of makes you feel immortal in a way. It makes you feel like your your concerns go off and off and off into the future forever. And it's really uncomfortable to realize that they don't and that you better, therefore, do something enjoyable or meaningful right now if you're ever going to do it. That's kind of that makes people feel anxious and antsy, I think. But I think it's worth getting through that because then you actually get to, yeah, love a cat. Uh, right now in the present. <laughs> exactly. As, as and if you've got a cat, why wouldn't you love it? Or what's the point in you getting the cat in the first place? Uh, thanks for your book, Oliver. You're a superstar. Thanks for your time. Uh, 4,000 weeks time and how to use it. You're always welcome on this show. Cheers, all. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. Thank you so much for listening to this, the podcast of the Virgin Radio Breakfast Show. Don't forget you can subscribe and get it every week from wherever you get your podcast and you will never miss the weekly roundup of all the best bits from our Virgin Radio Breakfast Show with Sky.